This is Lael Cooper Jepson, and I would love to read to you a chapter from my upcoming book, which is currently in manuscript form. And the book is called Witch Ways, The Unspoken Ways Women Create Change. You ready? This chapter is called A Hammering in My Heart. Years ago, I sat in a crowded hotel ballroom, dutifully eating the rubber chicken that was served for lunch and listening to a panel of really accomplished women executives talk about leadership. At one point, one of the women was asked about how her leadership had been shaped and informed by being a woman. Without skipping a beat, she looked right at us and said, being a woman has nothing to do with who I am as a leader. I gasped audibly. And then my heart started hammering in my chest. The conversation on the panel went elsewhere and the questions continued as if something earth shattering hadn't just happened, as if we hadn't just missed a moment to have a very real and honest conversation about the innate gifts women bring, as if it were perfectly natural and even necessary to neuter ourselves of any distinguishing traits or differences like a uterus or a body that's designed to move in cycles like the tides, the seasons, and the weather. As if women weren't a fucking force of nature as a result of a genius design. As if we weren't remotely curious about why that force has been kept in check all these years and who we could be individually and collectively if we stepped outside that storyline together. As if it were random that every single one of those women on the panel after the moderator finally dug a little bit deeper was revealed to have been the product of a same-sex education. As if learning and living in a community of girls at a formidable time in life hadn't played a significant role in how these leaders showed up as women. As if being a woman and outing yourself as one didn't matter and wasn't a central part of our conversation about leadership as if the key that would unlock and swing wide open the doors of the steel cage so many of us have been operating within hadn't just been summarily tossed out into the hallway, landing at the feet of an old white guy with a paunch who was half asleep in his chair, oblivious. That rubber chicken moment was when something significant imprinted on my soul. That was a moment the hammering of my heart in my chest started in earnest and did not stop. Try as I might, it just kept getting louder. I'd had those, what does does being a woman have to do with anything experiences before, but they generally occurred in the midst of a sea of white men. Those moments where everyone was globally assured that they added value, could and would contribute to the conversation be able to set the agenda and be welcomed at the table. I'd felt the words then and how flat and hollow they seemed as I looked out at the sea of white men sprinkled here and there with a few white women and maybe one or two people of color. The message was clear then, don't stand out, pretend you're one of us and we will too. You're lucky to be here at all. But it broke my heart when I saw that same conversation play out among a sea of predominantly white women. The same feeling, the same hollow messaging, the same invitation to pretend. So I left that rubber chicken conversation in the room that day, and I began in earnest to create space for me first, and other women, 
as a natural extension of that work, to explore what it means to be a woman and how that intersects with how we show up as leaders in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in our organizations, for ourselves, for each other, for our world. A big part of that exploration happened in the context of my business, She Changes, as I worked one-on-one with women over the years and also in groups I designed and communities I gathered through my events. Most recently, I wrote about my own experience in sorting through all this in my first book, Unscripted, A Woman's Living Prayer, and how I systematically set about exploring my internal geography with the intention of honoring and unleashing the full power of the masculine and feminine energies within myself. The gift in writing that deeply personal book was that I began to see myself more clearly in terms of what I had been carefully managing and often shamed, the masculine in me, as well as what I'd been keeping in the shadows and sequestered, the feminine in me. The biggest gift by far though was the degree to which I learned I was not alone. I suspected as much, which was why I had the courage to write the book to begin with, rather than just figuring it out myself in a journal. But the degree to which that first book was received and how well it resonated with women and a surprising number of men as well made my heart swell. And yet the hammering in my heart continued And the persistent theme of women's leadership kept dogging me like a nut I was being asked to crack open, despite my best efforts to keep burying it. Why was I feeling so damn compelled to play at the intersection of being a woman and being a leader? Because so many of us women are still waiting to say out loud that thing that will upset the apple cart, to trust deeply in our instincts and make that game-changing move to go rogue and break rank from the way it is, to stand for charting a different course of action, to have the courage to raise our hands and say, follow me, to make that decision that will ruffle some feathers, to stand out more boldly and be vulnerable by being the first or only. Women wait because so many of us are still wondering if we're enough, ready, the only one, missing something, seeing clearly the right person. And as a result, so many women feel alone, scared, crazy, paralyzed, frustrated, overwhelmed, sick, and tired. But something is happening now. Do you feel it? I can feel it in my bones, like a tide is shifting, a door is opening, or maybe we've just hit a threshold of pain where enough is enough. You can hear it in the words of Maya Angelou reverberating in the airwaves, and still I rise. You can see it happening in the wake of the women's marches and the signs that read, get your hands off my ovaries, and we are the granddaughters of the witches you burned. And you can feel it in the power of moments that explode into movements like Me Too, I Am Not a Distraction, and Never Again. You can feel it in the volcanoes rumbling and erupting again and again, spewing hot lava all over the lands. You can sense it in the increased frequency of words like witch and pussy and girl power. And I can feel it throbbing in the center of my chest with each 
hungry or determined woman I work with who takes action even in the face of her fear or doubt. This book is my love letter to those women and my fiery missive to the universe to invite more of them to come out from the shadows more fully, more fiercely, and lead us in the light of day. This book was born out of that relentless hammering in my chest, which, as I'm writing this book, feels very appropriate when you consider the malleus maleficarum, generally translated as the hammer of witches, It was the very tool that was used to oppress powerful women healers back in 1520. It seems my body recognizes and remembers that sound as well as it does my own heartbeat. I don't know about you, woman, but I am done carrying that hammer around inside me.